This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Gets the snap, hands off to Jacob, stutters to the right, burst through the whole 20, 25 30. He's off to the races here in Seattle. Nobody's going to catch him. 25 20, 10. Ball game. Bye bye, Josh. 86 yards in overtime to walk it off for a second straight week. Touchdown, Raiders. Victory, Las Vegas. I have nothing to say. Oh, it's just an ISO lead. It's a beautiful run. You called it right up the middle. Oh, my goodness. Let's go home. (laughs) Boom. Live from the underground lounge at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, this is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. I don't know about you, but that becomes habit forming, don't it? Man, hearing uh, Lincoln Kennedy and uh, Jason Horowitz on the call right there, walking it off, Josh Jacobs in Seattle as the Raiders get the 40-34 to victory, second week in a row that the Raiders have walked it off. One week is Devontae Adams, next week is Josh Jacobs, and again, that could become habit forming. It is habit forming for us every single Monday night. We're here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Definitely encourage you to come on by. Got a bunch of T-shirts on the table already waiting for you. Raider Nation Radio 920 T-shirts. Also, we have some nice little Corona and uh, the Black Hole Notorious T-shirts. Uh, they look really cool. Got the Hazy IPA on the table, the official uh, IPA of the Silver and Black. Got some Raider Nation Radio 920 cups with some koozies and some hand sanitizers all all set up is like a little three-pack, so uh, you get a little travel pack to go. Got some tickets for you as well. Got a lot to get to on today's show, but uh, very happy to be here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino as we are every single Monday night as we're in preparation for Monday Night Football. Tonight is so funny looking at the teams that are playing tonight. You look at the records, you look at the Colts, you look at the Steelers, and you say, yeah, they only got seven wins between the two of them. But I'll tell you what, I think tonight's going to be a very hard-fought game. I'm not saying it's going to be the best pleasing to the eyes game, but it's going to be a game that whoever wins it is definitely going to battle out and ball out to have to win that game. It's going to be a battle in the trenches. Uh, I'm excited to see it. And of course, it's Monday Night Football. It's football action in general. Uh, week 12 is already getting wrapped up, if you can believe that. Week 12 of the NFL season, but here we are. So come on by. Uh, there's plenty of TVs that you can check out that have all kinds of things from NFL Live on it right now to uh, Pro Football Talk to all kind of different uh, action that uh, ESPN has on the screens. There's some college football, college basketball action going on right now as well. And of course, there's plenty of uh, food and drink specials here at the Underground Lounge. So we encourage you to come on by here. We're here till at least 6 o'clock. We'll probably be here a little bit later. Show gets wrapped up uh, at 5, but we'll be here at least until 6, which is usually around halftime for Monday Night Football. But, of course, Raider Nation, we are here to talk about the silver and black and the fact that for the second week in a row they were able to pull off a victory. Not to mention we're here to talk about the heroic performance of one Josh Jacobs, a guy that we spent a lot of time last week talking about. And it's so funny, after the game yesterday I got a tweet, uh, and it was, Q, I know uh, it felt like we talked a lot about Josh Jacobs last week. Clearly we didn't talk about him enough. And I thought that that was the perfect tweet because, yeah, I don't think that there was enough conversation about Josh Jacobs and what he did. I know on Friday when I was at Buffalo Wild Wings, the conversation was, will he play on Sunday? The fact that he was dealing with a calf injury, came out on the injury report real late, thought, oh, man, that could be bad for the Raiders if he doesn't play. Well, obviously it would have been massive if he didn't play, but he did. All he did is rack up 229 yards on the ground, 74 yards through the air, 303 total yards. I mean, just a fantastic performance for one Josh Jacobs, who now, by the way, leads the league in rushing. 
leads the league in rushing. I have to take a pause right there. Right? Went into the game. I think he was the third leading rusher in the league. Now he's sitting atop the league, ahead of Derrick Henry, ahead of Nick Chubb, ahead of Saquon Barkley. I mean, the dude is out there balling. Give my man his flowers. I tweeted out following the game, uh, pay the man. It's that simple, hashtag Raiders. And 99.9% of the people that saw that tweet understood what I was trying to say. Of course, there's always going to be somebody that's got to fire back. Oh, this can't do this. and the Okay. It ain't always got to be negative, man. Enjoy the win. Enjoy the performance by the player and understand what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say the guy don't need to go anywhere. I know he doesn't have a contract pass this year, but Dave Ziegler, the GM, Champ Kelly, the assistant GM, and the head coach, Josh McDaniels, probably needs to do something about that. I suggest that they do it now, but if they do it following the season, fine. But right now, while you have them under contract, I think it would be great to start negotiating, start talking about, hey, man, we need to keep you around. What's it going to take to keep you around? Not saying Josh Jacobs has to accept any kind of contract extension. He could say, nah, no thanks. You decline my fifth-year option, I'll, I'll wait till the end of the season. But the Raiders have so many different options. The way that these uh, things are set up, man, it's set up for the team to hold on to their players if they want them to. They could slap them with the – the, the franchise tag, something that I thought was no chance that that was going to be a possibility. Now it's an st- extreme possibility. They could even go a step further and hit him with the, uh, the exclusive franchise tag where he can't even negotiate with any other team but the silver and black if they really want to. Not saying they're going to, but they could. So uh, I just think that they need to go ahead and get all, all the whatever is the whatever out of the way <laughs> and just go ahead and handle their business. They signed Darren Waller in the season, and I know they haven't got the return on investment with him. But I look at Josh Jacobs and say, hey, man, you know, I don't know what your budget looks like. I don't know what you, you know, think about, you know, because Dave Ziegler, he, he has a he's very disciplined. He has what he thinks it looks like, what he wants it to look like and where he's going to keep it. And I respect that. That's how you have to you know, run your operation. I don't know what it looks like as far as the running back position, knowing that they went and drafted a couple guys and, you know, and, uh, and Zamir White, who got a little bit of burn on Sunday. And, of course, Britton Brown as well. But I think that something needs to be addressed and something needs to happen when it comes to running back Josh Jacobs. But that's just, that's just my initial thoughts. we got plenty coming up on the show today, and we'll hear from others as well and get their thoughts on what the Raiders should do moving forward with running back Josh Jacobs. But coming up at 2.30, we have Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, also the RJ. He'll join us to talk all things Raiders, picking up their second victory in a row, their fourth victory of the season, what he thinks uh, Josh Jacobs has earned, and, and all that. I mean, we're not going to talk just about Josh, but we are going to spend some time because he's earned that. He's absolutely earned that, uh, that, that extra that extra conversation piece when it comes to what he's able to do, knowing he's out there with a calf injury, knowing that about an hour before the game even kicked off, there were still questions if he was going to play or not, and all he did is go out there and put it on the line. So we'll talk about the team improving, and I do believe that this team is improving. Is it where it wants to be? Of course not. There's still a lot of issues that this team has to try to overcome. Defense, they, defensively, they still need to step it, step it up in a major way, especially in the middle of the defense. But I'll tell you one thing, when push came to shove and you needed a stop, they got it. Not only that, when push came to uh, shove twice and you needed a stop, they got it. A lot of times I was led by Max Crosby. Uh, Other guys stepped up and made big plays. There was some push from the interior part of the Raiders defensive line. That was big. Denzel Perryman comes up with an interception. Chandler Jones recovers a fumble. And these guys had six takeaways going into the game, and they picked up two on Sunday. So that's what you have to do to win games. And even though on the scoreboard it said 40-34, to 34, 10 of those points that the Seahawks got were off of turnovers, off of Raider turnovers. So, you know, I don't even really fault the defense for the 10 points that was given up off of the turnovers. 
I, f- I feel like they did the best that they could with what they were given, the circumstances that they were given. So pretty impressed to see this team come together. A lot of teams could have said, oh, well, the season's over. Let's start making our plans for Cabo. Let's start figuring out what we're going to do next year. Some of us will be here. Some of us won't. This team is not. This team continues to fight, and I have a lot of respect for them for being able to do that, now sitting there at 4-7 and seven and have the Chargers headed to Allegiant Stadium this upcoming Sunday. So Ed Grady joins us at 2.30. We'll talk all things Raiders. If you're going to talk about anyone Alabama, you got to talk to Mark McMillan, right? Former NFL defensive back, uh, played for a very long time. He knows the ins and outs of the NFL, part of the All-Madden team, and, of course, an uh, Alabama alum. And we're going to talk to him about Josh Jacobs. I, I texted him immediately as soon as the game was over, as soon as Josh was done walking it off. And I said, hey, man, I got to get you on to talk about your Bama brother. And he said, absolutely. I saw him tweet out just a little while ago. He's got a steak, <laughs> a steak with Josh Jacobs' name on it. And, and anyone who knows Mark McMillan, he's grilling McMillan for a reason. Right. So uh, just a kind of a tip of the cap from him. So we'll talk to him not only about just the contract and what he thinks the Raiders should do moving forward, but what does a guy like Josh Jacobs mean to a locker room? You know, he's not a captain of the team, but he's also not a guy who's going to cause problems in the locker room. Again, he's a guy that could have sulked. I've said this so many times. He could have sulked. He could have took his ball and gone home. He could have asked for a trade. He could have been a malcontent. He could have been sitting in there in that Raider locker room with the other running backs around him, and he could have been giving them the stink face. And, and we know that this happens in NFL locker rooms. And instead, all he's done is said, don't worry, I'm going to put my head down, and we're going to ball out. And Devontae got it done last week with the walk-off. I'm going to get it done this week. You know, even after the game, Josh is talking about, hey, the training staff was trying to keep me out of the game at the end because of my calf injury. And I said, and I convinced them that I wanted to be back in there. So how does that translate inside a, a, a locker room, an NFL locker room, when you have other pros around, you have other guys that have gotten paid, and they look over and they see the dude that didn't get the contract, didn't get the fifth-year option picked up, and he's out there doing everything he can. What does that do for the morale of the locker room? I think that's a big deal. I'm a big morale guy. So we'll talk to Mark McMillan coming up at 3 o'clock. Then we'll really get into the contract situation with Michael Giannitti, Spotrack.com. And I wanted to have him on to ask him a few questions. Just pick his brain on what a contract extension offer in season would look like. So if, if, if uh, you know, Dave Ziegler, the GM, took this day off, that the Raiders have today and said, Josh, come into the office, let's work something out. And they tried to work a contract, and I know, you know, the nuts and bolts of things, it doesn't get done just like over a beer or over, you know, over, over a, a spring water at the facility. I know there's a lot that goes into it, but I want to ask Michael Giannitti what, uh, what, what he believes a contract extension in season, an offer would look like, a, re- a realistic offer. Also, free agency. What does a free agent big-time contract extension look like? Because there's a difference. There's a difference when he's, a, he's your guy, and then when he's out there as an unrestricted free agent, what does the, the franchise look like? What is the exclusive franchise? So we're going to talk all things contract extensions. Plus, I want to ask him about salary cap, and he's very good when it comes to restructures. And I remember he joined us multiple times throughout the, the summer and said, hey, you know what, the Raiders could free up a lot of space if they do this, that, and the other. Well, I want to ask him about that. Because if you go and look at the roster right now that the Raiders have and some of their contracts, some of their higher-end higher contracts, you can look at some of those guys and say, man, that's a big base salary that you have in 2023. What can the Raiders do to kind of restructure that to clear up more space so they can be players, so they can sign their own guys, so they can go and fill a few holes in free agency if they choose to? And, you know, that's something that I know people hate to hear. Well, the Patriots did this, the Patriots did that. I know nobody wants to hear that, but the Patriots live by that. They live by restructuring contracts after restructuring contracts after restructuring contracts. I'm not a big fan of that approach, 
but it's a way to get it done. And they've got it done year on top of year on top of year where they've been able to provide themselves with extra cap space so they can go out and fill the hole that they may need to fill. And the Raiders might have to do that this year. So Michael Giannitti, Spotrack.com, he'll join us at 3.30 just to break down the financial side of everything from Josh Jacobs to guys like Chandler Jones contracts, Devontae Adams. You look at those uh, massive base salaries that they have for 2023 and even where the Raiders can create some extra cap space moving forward. So that's the guest lineup that we have. We also have sound from the locker room uh, post-game, thanks to Vinny Bonsignor, who you can check out on the morning tailgate, and also uh, the RJ. He sent over Max Crosby, Foster Morrow, Amir Abdullah, uh, really good stuff from those guys. Plus, in the honor of Josh Jacobs, I want to take you back to April 24, 2019. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk to him for the very first time, and that was at Nissan Stadium there in Tennessee. The draft was in Nashville, and uh, before, I had to, before he was a Raider, he was a young man coming out of Alabama, and he ended up being the first-round pick, number 24 overall. But I still have the conversation that I had with him at Nissan Stadium from April 24, 2019. So some point in the show, let you hear that. And just kind of compare and contrast the guy that I talked to in 2019 to the guy that we talked to on the regular here in 2022 and realize that they're basically the same guy. Nothing has really changed when it comes to Josh Jacobs, which is something else I can appreciate. So you'll hear that throughout the course of the show. Plus, head coach Josh Daniels, he met with us a little while ago at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So we got some sound bites from that. So a lot to get to. Ed Graney at 2.30, Mark McMillan at 3, Michael Janitti at 3.30, plus a lot of sound from Crosby, Morrow, Abdullah, Josh Jacobs, and Josh Daniels all coming up on the show. Now that we got that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So, of course, in tradition of winning the game, you got to hand out game balls. And I don't even want anyone to call in and be like, give Josh Jacobs a game ball, because no doubt. That's a no-doubter, right? He got the ultimate game ball. Matter of fact, his game ball went and someone put that thing in gold, right? I mean, that's that, that's that one game ball. Like, if you go over to the M Resort and you go into the gift, uh, the gift shop, they have that, that ball that is, like, all crystalled out and costs a bazillion dollars, something that I can never afford to get. That's the game ball that Josh, Josh Jacobs gets. He gets the, he gets the old, what's the old uh, in college where they have the trophy where it's the ball? Right? I mean, that's, that's the one he deserves, right? He, he deserves the ultimate ball. So you don't have to call and say, give Josh Jacobs a game ball. But there was other dudes that contributed. And it's so funny, on my podcast today, I, I just really didn't have time to talk about anyone else that contributed that much because it was all about Josh Jacobs because, well, like I said, he deserved it. So I want to hear from you who you think else outside of Josh Jacobs deserves a game ball for their performance and what they were able to do. And also, the other question that I want to ask do you think this team is starting to turn the corner? Do you think this team is starting to figure things out? They were 0-6 in one-score games. Now, all of a sudden, the last two weeks, they're 2-for-2, two two, right? They're 2-0 and in one-score games the last two weeks. They're figuring it out from what I'm seeing. It looks like they're starting to have confidence that they can pull these out. They're starting to believe in the guy next to them, and they're starting to look like they're having an understanding offensively and defensively. I think that's important that we talk about defensively as well. Is it, is it perfect? Hell no. It's not even close to perfect. But, again, when they needed those stops defensively, especially after missing a field goal in overtime, Carlson misses a field goal, and they're about two first downs away from losing a game. Right? If Seattle makes two first downs, game's over. Game, set, match. They're going to kick a field goal. Game's over. They don't pick up one first down. And, of course, Max Crosby led the charge. But throughout the course of the game, Andrew Billings was a dude, an absolute dude. Bilal Nichols was a dude. 
Jerry Tillery was a dude. Hell, Chandler Jones was a dude. I know he didn't register a sack, but Chandler Jones was as disruptive as the next dude. I think all those guys on the defensive line did a hell of a job. No matter what the rotation was, no matter what it looked like, Clee Farrell, don't let me let Clee out. I don't want to leave Clee out of the club, man. Clee belongs in the club, too. Put in a hell of a job. On the other side of the ball, how about offensively? How about the offensive line? How about the work that they put in? You know, if you run for 300, well, not, not 300 yards, sorry, 229 yards, almost the same thing. If you run for 229 yards, you didn't do it on your own. Those big uglies up front, they did. They put in work, too. They put in a lot of work. Was it 100% perfect? No. Was there play calls that were ones that made you want to scratch your head or maybe even cuss out the coach? Yeah, sure. Fourth and inches, I think everyone will lean on that first of all. Coach talked about that earlier today. He said he's got to make a better call. He's right. Fourth and inches, it's got to be a quarterback sneak. I called that from the living room. My mama called that from the living room, right? Everyone called it. What are we doing? <laughs> I was at Mama Q's house, right? We had some people over. We had a good time. Mom's is upstairs. I'm downstairs. All I hear is mom say, sneak the damn ball. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, everyone called that. That was a bad decision. You know, we could, people can, can, can question the – the, the field goal at the end of the, the first half, instead of throwing it in the end zone, at least trying to a shot it one time in the end zone, just go ahead and settle for three. Who knows how that would have worked out. I'm just glad they scored points there. Obviously, that's all Josh McDaniels cared about. But there was a lot to like about what the Raiders were able to do. And I got to give Derek Carr credit, too, because he threw two early interceptions, not saying both of them were his fault. I think the first one obviously was his fault. The second one, I mean, you could kind of point the finger at whoever you want to. And just say that that was a that was a bad, a bad all around play, you know that bounces off Foster's hands. And I know it was in a tight window, but everyone talks about I want to see Derek Carr throw the ball into the tight windows. I don't want him always just to throw it into the wide open guy. Okay, so he squeezes it into a tight window, and the guy doesn't catch it. So it's like you can't have both ways. You can't get mad at Derek for not not stretching the field or squeezing it into tight windows, and then also throwing an interception when the guy doesn't catch it. So I mean, you, you got to pick a side. I got to give him a lot of credit for overcoming adversity, early adversity, and not letting that snowball and become bigger. He was able to keep it together, shake it off. His team was able to keep him in the game. His defense was able to keep him in the game. Two turnovers early. They only gave up 10 points instead of 14. That's a big deal. I think that that, you know, I think that that was, that was, that was big as far as seeing the growth of, of Derek Carr in this offense under head coach Josh McDaniels. But I don't want to be the guy to answer every question. So do you think this team is starting to turn the corner, figure things out is one question, and who would you hand a game ball to outside of the obvious, which is Josh Jacobs? Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, and they're open at 702-365-9200. Also, our text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Let's talk to Gangster Raider. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Man, today is Josh Jacobs' day. This is Josh Jacobs' team. Josh Jacobs is the man. We're witching, We're witnessing a future Hall of Famous career. Let's appreciate the greatness that we have while we have it. And also, I want to say the whole team did good. The whole team did I'm not going to nitpick about the little things I can because we're just going to celebrate this Victory Monday and celebrate our second overtime win, our second road win of the season, and our second, oh, our first back-to-back win of the season. You know what I'm saying? Raider Nation, stand up. I know it's been rough, but we need to celebrate this and appreciate our Hall of Fame running back in his prime while we have him. We are witnessing greatness. You know what I'm saying? It ain't too many times we had players, because Q, you brought this up a couple of weeks ago. Um, over the last few years, we don't, we don't have any players that we could say are for sure Hall of Famers, but we have 
Everybody appreciate Josh Jacobs. Today is Josh Jacobs Day in Raider Nation, and everybody stand up and celebrate this victory. I could poo-poo a couple of things, but I'm not going to do that. Only thing that counts is we won. Just like Al Davis say, just win, baby, yeah. and we just won, baby. You know what I'm saying? And also, I think the team is coming together, you know what I'm saying, because back in the day, well, not even back in the day, a few weeks ago, before week four, if Derek Carr would have threw them two interceptions, the whole team would have probably just – you know, imploded or whatever. Yeah. But he he sucked it up. The whole team sucked it up, and we pulled it out. Raider Nation style, the way we do it. We do it the hallway, the gangster Raider way, the Raider way. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped up. Let's have a good show, y'all. I'm gone. Keep it gangster. I'm out, as you were. There he is, Gangster Raider. Thank you for the call, my man. And, yeah, I mean, that's a playmaker. Josh Jacobs is absolutely a playmaker. And yeah, there's plenty that we can nitpick on. Uh, today I, I choose to, to appreciate what the Raiders were able to pull off as a team as a unit, you know, being able to go to overtime for the second straight week and win the game. And so, yeah, I definitely want to give the team props for being able to handle that. And Seattle ain't no joke, man. And I don't mean the team. I mean the environment. That place, I mean, you saw the decimal meter all game long. It was loud. And the Raiders were able to overcome that. Uh, the weather obviously was better than most people expected it to be, which is fine. But having to overcome the 12s out there and to see the 12s have to go home the same way that the Bronco fans had to go home a week before, that had to be for anyone that was there. And this is one I wish that I was at after seeing the results, right? Just because I would love to see what the fan base looked like. I would love to hear what the radio stations out there sounded like because I don't think anyone in Seattle thought that the Raiders would go in there and win that game. So a very, very, uh, very good and fun day that I'm expecting to have here uh, with a lot of great positive feedback. From the text line, 707, Luke from Pasadena said, game ball to Andrew Billings. He was a presence against that rush and created opportunities for Max Denzel and helped bring Chandler Jones back to life. And that's Luke from Pasadena. I asked head coach Josh McDaniels about that interior pressure earlier today, uh, and he was pleased with it. Also said he thinks Andrew Billings, who left the game early uh, on a cart. I thought, oh, man, that's, that's not good. Uh, not for Dollar Bill. You know, he's, he's a guy that's very strong dude. And uh, for him to have to get help off the field and then get carted back to the locker room, I thought that's all bad. But he didn't think there's any structure damage to Andrew Billings and the fact that uh, he thinks he's going to be okay. So hopefully that will be the case. We'll find out a little bit later on in the week. But I thought Andrew Billings really set the tone for the game. Early in the game, he got uh, Kenneth Walker to the ground. Uh, and had it was like about a four or five yard loss. I thought Andrew Billings really set uh, a tone, and then him and Bilal Nichols to share a sack. I thought that that was tone setting. Uh, he looked like he was there with a purpose, and I don't know exactly if it's Jerry Tillery, the presence of him, uh, fired up the D tackles a little bit, but I'll tell you what, man, they played with a little nasty on, on Sunday, and the Raiders needed that from the interior. Uh, Raiderette T says the O-line gets my props, run block on fire. I agree 100%. And one more text, and then we'll uh, hit the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Raider Richie from Arizona said, so glad Josh Jacobs is not Le'Veon Bell. Josh has a good head on his shoulders, just grabs his lunch pail and goes to work. Let's beat up those charges now. Go, Raiders. That's from Raider Richie in Arizona. And, yeah, I can't stop giving props to Josh Jacobs. I really can't. Just because we've seen so many dudes that are 100% opposite of what Josh Jacobs is doing this year, they're 100% opposite of that. You know, if they don't get something to go their way, they'll pout, they'll sit out for the year, they'll demand a trade, you know, they'll do this, that, and the other, they'll act, you know, act like an ass in the locker room. He's not that guy. And even, I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned with the season that he's had already, even before this game, he, he already earned a, a pretty fat contract stitch as far as I'm concerned, right? Even if he didn't play in this game on, uh, on Sunday, he could have he sat it out and, and, and just said, hey, I've already put enough on, on film to let you know what I could do. And regardless if that's with the Raiders or someone else, I think he's already done enough. 
But instead, even with the calf injury, he's like, no, I'm going to go ahead and go out there and play. And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to re-aggravate that calf injury, but I'm going to keep on balling. I'm going to get this done because we're right there. We're real close to winning this game. Just need one big play, and I'm going to go out there and make that big play. I mean, come on, 303 total yards? I don't want to hear nobody tell me Josh Jacobs can't catch the ball either, by the way. I don't want anyone to tell me that he's not a very good receiver. Because this dude, and there was one route, there was one route that was ran by Jacobs. It was like a hesitation slant. And it was, I mean, I've never seen a, a team run that. But that little hezzy slant, that was on the big, on the big uh, catch and run that he had. That was something to, to look at and say, okay, that was impressive. That's, a, that's, that's what Josh McDaniels as a really good play caller could bring to the table. Something like that that you haven't really seen, but it was so perfect for Josh, and that was a big, big play that he had late in the game in the re, from the receiving point of things. Um, love the fact that he went into the game needing 70 yards for 1,000 yards. I counted them down, DeMond, the whole game. I counted down his yards and Devontae Adams' yards because that were two goals that I was hoping the Raiders were going to achieve during that game. I was hoping Jacobs would get 70-plus yards, so he was at 1,000, and then – Devontae Adams would get 75-plus yards, so he'd be at 1,000. Devontae Adams got 74. Really? 74. So he's sitting there now at 999 yards. It'll, I mean, like, damn, really? <laughs> he couldn't have got one more yard? <laughs> so uh, that, you know, it just fell a little short. But Josh went uh, above the, and beyond the call of duty. All he needed was 70 yards. He only went for 229. He's like, Hugh, I got your 70, and I'm going to raise you quite a bit. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick and talk to our guy, Fargo Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Kieran DeMond, thank you for taking my call. What a wonderful Monday, Victory Monday. It's the best, man. I sent you a graphic of you throwing the Victory dub, the victory V behind Josh Jacobs. You can check that out later. Okay. Now, who said Jacobs didn't have no breakaway speed? We just saw it, man. <laughs> the doctor's making house calls. Give him a ring. He'll take it home. That's what I'm talking about, man. I've been waiting for JJ to break one off like that since he got into the league. He's just a guy with a, such a story and such a such a drive for football that you want that for him. I, I'm hoping that that just opened the floodgates and he hits a, bunch, a few more, at least in the time that he's here. I don't know if we're going to be able to pay him. All I'm saying is if the Rams can shuffle around money until the cows come home, let's find a way to do what they're doing. Let, How about let me, we get a little, let me a tell little you this. conference call? Let me tell you this real quick. Two GMs. Let, me, let, me, let me tell you this real quick. If teams want to sign a player, teams can find a way to sign a player. Hey, now on the game ball, I'm going to go with the interior of both lines. The okay. interior finally got pressure, and it showed, man. Yep. Gino was moving around for his life. And on the flip side, that, that 86 yarder, that came from the A or B gap. I can't really remember in this moment, but that came from the interior. They opened up a hole wide enough for him to see the field, and he took it, man. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. And now as far as catching – Man, that man caught a ball out of the air with one hand to save yeah. D.C. You can't tell me the man can't catch. He's developed every piece of his game that he needed to. He went in with goals every offseason, and he's completed them. Pay the man. Give his bag there. There it is. You have a good one. Hey, man, great call, Fargo. It's great to hear from you. Yeah, pay the man. It's that simple, and it really is. If the Raiders want to do it, they can do it. Now, again, it's up to them and it's up to his, his uh, representation to accept an offer if they give him an offer. And that's all I don't – hey, I can't get into the business side of things with them. That's all what they're comfortable with. But what he's earned, 
no doubt about it, he's earned the bag, and he's earned the bag from the Raiders. We'll see how it all shakes out, but uh, like I've always said, and I believe Tim Brown said it as well, if teams want to keep a player and sign a player, teams absolutely no doubt about it can do it, and that's why we'll have Michael Giannini coming up at 3.30 to talk about that. But coming up next is we're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We'll be talking to Ed Graney, our good friend from ESPN Las Vegas, and the RJ. We'll talk all things Raiders, and also there's a new coach going to be headed to Vegas for UNLV. What is going on with the Rebels? We'll talk about that as well. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Takes the snap. Back to pass. Steps up in the pocket. Fires down the middle. Intercepted! Perriman at midfield 40. 35-30. And he's finally tripped out and taken down on the near sideline. Hand off to Walker. Ball's on the turf. Raiders say they have it at the 28-yard line. And they do! Second takeaway for the defense. It's Chandler Jones. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Inside the Underground Lounge is where we're at right now, the Oyo Hotel and Casino. It's our every single Monday night football night. We like to hang out here and get ready for the game. And, of course, tonight it's the Colts and the Steelers. I know their records don't say it's going to be a good game, but I do expect it to be a pretty good game tonight. So you can check them out on the many TVs. They got the food and drink specials. We got plenty of prizes on the table here. Uh, just take them. All you got to do, you don't have to sign up for anything. Man. That's the beautiful thing about, well, I like to give away stuff. Just give it away. If you're here, it's yours. That's how simple it is. So come on by. We're going to be here till at least 6 o'clock. Join us now on the phone lines from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, is our good friend Ed Grady. You can also find his work on the RJ, the Las Vegas Review Journal. Ed, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, my man. One of the questions I threw out there to Raider Nation today was, do you think this team is starting to figure things out? Does it look like they're starting to turn around the corner, turn the corner? So when I ask Ed Graney that, what are your thoughts? Well, winning cures all ills, right? So yep. when you win back-to-back overtime games, it starts to look like you're figuring things out, and, and they probably are. Um, you know, uh, getting two wins uh, is huge for them, uh, and it's still four and seven. We talked about last week; it's still three and seven. But I think it makes going to work easier. I think it makes the locker room easier. Um, guys are more uh, celebratory. Um, we saw it yesterday again in the locker room when I was in there yesterday. They're happy. Um, they want to get back to work. So yeah, I think all of that means you probably study a little harder, practice a little harder, and then you know you can see the yard turn in the corner. What were your thoughts on seeing the interior of the defensive line being able to get pressure if it was Nichols, if it was Billings, if it was Jerry Tillery, who's a newcomer? They were all able to, Cleve Furrell, they were all able to disrupt Geno Smith quite a bit on Sunday. Yeah, and, and they need to, right? Because you can't, you can't count on Max Crosby doing everything, even though he plays every play and, and seems to make plays every play. Um, they need to do that, Q, more and more. And I thought they did a great job of that in terms of pressuring Geno. He's going to escape some, and he's going to make plays with his feet as he did. But I thought they kept him off balance, uh, and they, you know, they, they, they pressured him, like you said, made him a little nervous sometimes. Uh, they need to do that. Max is a wonderful player, but you can't expect him to do everything. No, you can't. But I'll tell you what, you know, when it, when it comes time to the diamond cutting moment and you had to have their, your star player step up and make a play, especially late in the game and in overtime when, you know, the Raiders would look like they were in a bad position, right? Two first downs and Seahawks are going to be in, in field goal range. And Max comes up with a huge play. Uh, he gets a sack on one play and another one just makes Geno throw it away. But to not allow 
them to, to advance and get a first down after Carlson misses that field goal. For that defense to step up the way it did, I was pretty impressed. What were your thoughts? Well, they got the stop they needed, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're not a great defense, but uh, all you got to do is look back and see that they got the stop they needed to get the offense the ball back. So in my mind, that's, that's a good game. Um, you know, I mean, everyone was scoring yesterday. There's going back and forth, so you can find a lot of holes defensively on both sides. Mm-hmm. But when it came time to make a stop, the Raiders got the most important one to get the offense back the ball. So uh, good for them. And like you said, that was, that was a huge stop and they got it when they needed it. So that's why I think, you know, you passed the grade on them uh, yesterday. I know, like you said, the defense still has a lot of uh, growth. It has a lot of room. It needs to make a lot of more plays. It's got to do a lot better than it's been doing. But for the most part, to me, it almost felt like these guys looked more comfortable in that Patrick Graham scheme. Did it look a little different being there up close and personal? Did it look a little different from you? Well, it's different because I heard Chandler Jones' name mentioned in the press box. <laughs> right. Uh, so when that happened, I'm like, okay, they must be playing better when he had the uh, fumble recovery. Yeah, I mean, I thought that, like you said, they, we talked about them pressuring Geno. Um, uh, they didn't. They didn't. They weren't able to run the ball. Um, they got a little torn up a couple times on on uh, drives from Geno, but that that's going to happen. I mean, the Saints. Yeah. You know, the Seahawks are a good team. That was going to happen. But I do think because of what you said uh, here in the beginning. Uh, with the pressure, that makes everything look good. It makes the back end look good. Uh, Perryman gets the huge pick. Like we said, Chandler Jones gets the fumble recovery. Like all of that to me comes from pressure. And if you can sustain that, then your defense is going to look a lot better than maybe the stats at the end of the game show it to be. Yeah, and even Trayvon Merrick, you know, a guy that I've been you know pretty down on because I thought he regressed in year two. I thought he even looked more comfortable out there on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he looked good as well. And it's only going to be better when we get Nate Hobbs back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, when they get fully healthy uh, and, and play in Patrick Graham's system, like you said, more weeks and weeks and weeks, I think it's just going to get better and better. And, that, and it should get better. I mean, if you're in a system, you know, uh, each week going by, you should look better because you're, you're grasping it more and more. That's what you should be doing off film and off practice. So I think, uh, I think you're right about that. I think Morgan looked good. And like I said, when they, when they get everyone back, you know, I would suspect them to keep looking good. Now, the schedule is going to. You know, it's already uh, getting tougher, yep. but, you know, they you know they, they know what the schedule is, and they've done well the last two weeks, and I think, uh, I don't think they're, I'll leave it to this, I don't think they're done winning games. I don't know how many they're going to get, but I don't think they're done winning games. I agree, I agree, but they got to take it one game at a time. That's all they can really do. Again, we're talking with Ed Grady from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, and the Las Vegas Review Journal are here at the OYO, the Underground uh, Lounge. It, come on by. It's Monday Night Football. We like to do it each and every week. My man, Damon, is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. He's got one for you. When it comes to the offensive play and how well this team played, do you think this was the most complete game that the offense had all season with 576 total yards? Well, it was one of them and because one guy got 303. <laughs> uh, so he, he was, I can't say enough about Josh Jacobs yesterday. Um, you, what gets lost in it, and he loved to talk about this afterwards, you know, Josh Jacobs uh, caught balls out of the backfield at Alabama. And I think when he came into the league, he really thought he was going to be a guy. I remember the first year we said, well, how many balls are you going to catch? He goes, oh, in the 60s. Well, that didn't happen. Mm. Um, and I think he was surprised at that. And, you know, the next year, how many balls are you going to catch? Well, this number, and that didn't happen. Uh, so I think when he has a game like yesterday, everyone's going to be talking about the rushing yards, which is obviously what you should be talking about, single, single game, uh, record for the franchise. But I thought, you know what, 76 or something yards at receiving, I thought that was, he made, he made a great catch on one of them. Mm. Um, I thought that was just as important. So yeah, I thought it was a great offensive game for them. And Q mentioned it on the defensive side of trusting the process and getting more implemented into the system. But for the offensive line, how have you felt that they've jailed as the seasons went along? 
you know, early yesterday it looked shaky, but then I thought they played really well. Um, you know, the, the the touchdown pass to Abdullah, he doesn't he doesn't throw that unless he gets great coverage or great protection. Yeah. Because um, uh, Amir had to had to kind of do a little wheel route there, and that takes time to develop. So I thought as the game went on, I don't know what you thought, but I thought the offensive line played uh, really well as the game went on, and some of his throws he had the protection he needed to make. Yeah, I thought the offensive line did well. I really did. And of course, they're not where they need to be. They're not perfect no. yet, but they, they did do well. And if you run for 229 yards, your offensive line did something. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So they were able to, to do some good things on, on Sunday and help the Raiders pick up that vic- victory. Again, we're talking with Ed Grady here on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness. What do you think of Derek Carr, who had the two early interceptions and put that behind him and, and dealt with the adversity and was still able to handle his business throughout the rest of the game? Yeah, I thought he showed a lot of toughness. You know, he went out for the one play. He just got drilled on that play. Um, first ball is a bad ball. Second ball, I think, to Foster gets tipped a little. Yeah. Um, so, and maybe you can make the argument Foster needs to get that, and mm-hmm. Foster has the drop later, and he has the touchdown. So he had kind of an up-and-down day, but he made the play when he really needed to, uh, the great touchdown catch to tie it. But I thought Derek played well um, after the two picks, and after getting get just blown up there, he settled down and uh, made the plays he needed to play. So, I thought he was really good, and you know he's you know it's, he was really good handing the ball off because when that guy's running like that, you know a lot of times you just have to turn around and hand him the ball and watch him go. Yeah, and Ed, I've talked a lot with you and others about Josh Jacobs. I'll continue to do that throughout the course of the show. We're going to talk to Mark McMillan, uh, who's a very uh, proud Alabama alum, coming up at the top of the hour, but. I mean, just with what he's been able to do this year, knowing his contract situation, knowing the other running backs in the running back room, what, in your opinion, has he earned? What has, he, what has Josh Jacobs earned this year from the Raiders? That's a great question and, and the biggest mystery of all, right? I mean, we've talked about this before. You know, there's two ways you can go when you don't have the option picked up, and he's gone the right way. Yep. He's gone the way to work and to get better and to improve and have himself a hell of a year leading the league right now in rushing. Um, but he's a running back. And you have to be very honest about running backs in the league and, you know, how teams get nervous with second contracts on running backs, how much money you want to invest in a running back, how much time you want to give them. Um, I think they've done a really good job with some big-time contracts, not putting themselves in a situation where they have to, you know, um, uh, commit to several years on a guy. Right. So maybe there's a situation that they could get him in the same realm where he gets paid but you're not, you know, you're not committed to him for several years because he's a running back, and we know what happens to those guys. They can go at any time with running backs. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you can help me out here. Can they tag him? Yeah, they can. They can franchise tag him. They can uh, exclusive franchise tag him. My, my okay. suggestion here, Ed, is that Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly at least try to test the waters and offer him something in season while he's still under contract. Yeah, you could do that, um, and, and you know maybe you get him at a, at a lower rate than someone's willing to pay. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, you know, and I'm sure Raider fans don't want this to happen. I'd love to just for my own knowledge see him hit the market and see what he's worth because right. yeah. it would just be really interesting to see in this day and age with running backs and the year he's having what someone would pay for him. Now that you know leaves open the option that they would lose him, and I'm sure Raider fans don't want to hear that. <laughs> no, but I just I would just be fascinated as a, as a sports uh, person who covers the team and uh, you cover the team. I would just love to know because I don't know because if they sign him, you're never really going to know what the market would have bore on him. Um, but it, it, it is interesting. They have a decision to make, though. Yep. I mean, with the year he's having, put it this way, he's making it much tougher on them than they probably imagined it would be. 
No doubt. That's that's 100% facts right there. And, you know, we got Michael Giannitti from Spotrack.com coming up at 3.30. He's a contract guy. He's a, you know, a, a salary cap guy. So I'll I'll, I'll pass along and email yeah, you some of those yeah. nuggets from that just so you can hear what he has to say. About I'd love to know what he has to say and what he thinks he's worth. Right, exactly. No, I'll definitely pass that along to you, and I'm sure it'll be interesting. Janiti's really good when it comes to that stuff. Now, Ed, before we let you go, uh, the news of the Raiders winning their second walk-off uh, game in a row was not the biggest news that hit today, and that was no. actually going on at UNLV. I saw you over there talking to AD Eric Harper. DeMond's got a question that he has to ask you about UNLV no longer having head coach Marcus Arroyo employed. Okay, I've seen this coming. You can't lose to Hawaii and then expect to keep your job, even though they did win the Cannon. So shout out to the team for winning that. But, Ed, who do you think is going to be at the top of the candidate search when it comes to a new head coach for oh, UNLV football? This is interesting because we were throwing around names today. Um, you know, he says he wants someone with head coaching experience. They always say that. And then if they find a guy without it but they think he's the right guy for the job, then they go that way. Um, you know, it's kind of a cliche for athletic directors wanting someone with head coaching experience. There's no, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I'll give you a name. It might be a total shot in the dark. I have no idea if he'd even be interested. But former TCU coach Gary Patterson. Um, wow. That would be is fantastic. A, he is an assistant at Texas. You know, Q knows a lot about him. He's an yep. assistant at Texas now. Yep. Um, I tell people my son on TCU's campus walks by the statue of him every day. So he obviously did a heck of a job at TCU when they fire you, but you have a statue. At some point, you did something really well. Yep. Um, and, you know, look, it's not going to pay what he would be used to as a head coach. But you know what? If you want to get back in, you want to be head coach, you want to maybe come out west and, you know, see, you know, with Fertitta Football Conference and Allegiant Stadium, and it's a head coaching job. Wow. I'd at least, I'd at least pick up the phone. Now, maybe it's a two-second conversation. But maybe it's not. You got to, you know, to me, you shoot high, you know, and then you have your list. And I'm sure Eric Harper has his list. I'm sure Eric Harper knows two or three guys he wants right now. I mean, you don't make this move as an AD unless you have your list. And Eric Harper played at Kansas State, was at Arizona in their football program, knows football, knows Division One football. Um, and I have every confidence he's going to identify good candidates and, and hire a good coach because of that. He'll have a tree to work from and he'll have a lot of contacts in football. Um, but that was just one name thrown around today. I thought it was an interesting name, and Q's got his Texas ties there where yeah. when I heard that name, I'm like, man, that's an interesting name. Yeah, it is. I, I would love to see that. That would be a great hire for UNLV. I, I wonder, and I'm not sure, was Brumfield at TCU when Patterson was at TCU? Did Was Brumfield? Yeah. I thought, I, thought, I thought Tony recruited Brumfield out of high school. I thought he was a TCU guy originally. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was a T. Maybe he was a TCU commit. No, no, no. That was Rogers. That's right. You sure right. You sure that right. Was, that was Rogers. That was Rogers. So okay. And I talked to Doug Brumville today, and the players, you know, it's a shock. You know, they, your coach walks in, says he's fired after winning five, and still waiting to hear on a bowl. Yeah. Uh, you know, Doug Brumfield said I was surprised, disappointed, let down, um, but we got to move forward. So they're they're feeling it out there today. But you know what? They also got to go paint a cannon red today. So I, I was out there for that today, and they enjoyed that and. It happens, and this is just part of it, man. When you're in college athletics, you know that cue. I mean, this is just this is part of the deal sometimes. That's a part of it. Exactly right. And so my final question for you, uh, Ed, is probably the most important question. I know you have a, a son that went to Baylor. Do you have another son that goes to TCU, or is he just no, uh, he's, traveling he's up getting, and down the, the highway? No, he's getting his Ph.D. at TCU. Okay, all right. So you go from so how so he's torn. He can't. I mean, he's yeah. is he sixty one or is he fifty eight? Is he Baylor? Is he TCU? What's he doing here? 
Right now, he's a front runner. He's got purple shirts on. <laughs> I know that's right. Well, he, hey, man, he did, he, he did go to the Baylor TCU game and went completely neutral. He had like a brown shirt on. So he went that's neutral that hilarious. Game. That is funny. <laughs> well, there you go. A little traveling there for your son up and down yeah. the highway, going from Fort Worth to Waco. There to it Waco, is. Exactly. <laughs> well, Ed, fantastic stuff, man. What do you got coming out on the RJ that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, tomorrow, the Marcus Arroyo column. We'll, we, you know, we'll stay on this for a few days. We'll, yeah. you know, tomorrow about the firing, and the next day uh, we'll have some stuff on who they should hire in the hiring, and we'll go forward from there. Yeah, it's only one day morning period. Then it's like, all right, who's next? Exactly. <laughs> who's exactly. the next guy in? And that's exactly that's how, how it goes. That's how it works in our world. Yep, you're sure right. That's exactly how it works. Well, Ed, fantastic stuff as always, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. There he goes. Ed Grady from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Also, the RJ has all his great work out there. You can check him out on Twitter at Ed Grady. 248 is the time. We are here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Coming up next, as we close out hour number one, we're going to hear from Amir Abdullah. He didn't break one, take it to the house, but man, he's getting close on special teams and those kick returns. We'll talk about it next and hear from them. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Come on by, get hooked up. I got plenty of prizes. They're going quick, though. I'm telling you, I'm not going to make you jump through hoops. I'm not going to make you do cartwheels. Just come on by, say what's up, and it's yours. Just that simple. We're going to be here till at least 6 o'clock. Again, the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. My man, Demond Cotton, he's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm here hanging out. And uh, Demond, we're going to have to get his uh, thoughts on his little few days away from the, the radio station that he had, his adventures. Now, I saw he was listening to Macklemore and all that stuff. He was putting it on Twitter that he was bumping some Macklemore. So we'll get, we'll get DeMond's thoughts on his little time away a little bit later on in the show. But a guy that had a hell of a day was Amir Abdullah. Not only did he have a touchdown catch, but, man, he's looking good on those kick returns. On Friday while you were out, DeMond, I said uh, my big, bold prediction was he was going to take one to the house. He is that close to breaking it. I feel like he's like one more step from breaking a big one. The Raiders haven't had a guy to return a kick in a long time to the house. Amir Abdullah is going to be that guy. Well, here is Amir Abdullah in the locker room following the game with Vinny Bonsignor. Congratulations. Big game for yourself. Uh, how fun is it to be in a game like that and to be involved in the way you it's are? It's never easy in this league. <laughs> we knew we, the challenge that was in front of us. Great defense. A defense that's built on the ball, taking the ball away, then turning the ball over twice early. Uh, I'm just proud as heck as this team. Um, sticking to it, uh, bending, not breaking, you know, mentality. So I'm just really proud of the boys up front. For one. You know, those are unsung heroes. Derek had excellent pockets, you know, all day. Um, of course, not everything's perfect, but when, when we needed it most, those guys came through, opened up lanes for Josh. And, I mean, what can I say about Josh Jacobs, man? The dude's a true warrior, a guy who will battle through anything, put his teammates first every single time, never complains. I wish you guys could see his work at the every single day, and now you'll see why he's playing at the level that he's playing at. And, you know, me being in my, my eighth year, I played with guys like Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, shoot, Theo Reddick, a lot of guys who have been very productive in this league. And I put him right up there in that group, man. So a young guy who definitely has uh, the future in front of him, and I'm proud of that guy. On your touchdown pass uh, reception, it looked like there was an option maybe earlier in the route, yeah. and then you kind of wheeled it out. Yeah. Is that Was that the look that you guys were? I just tried to turn it up, you know, and make a play for D.C. I'm glad D.C. played my side. Uh, we caught the, caught the safety coming down a little bit, too nosy, and uh, it was just good time. And then also a great return for yeah. you as well, yeah. so uh, you, you enjoy, I'm sure, having games like this. I mean, I, I just love playing ball against competitive units. You know, I think it brings the best out of me. I think it brings the best out of our team, and I'm glad that we finished this one. 
There he goes, Amir Abdullah. And I'll tell you, man, he wasn't really contributing uh, very much early in the season, but you're starting to see him get a little bit of a lather going and really in that kick return game. And I know I said that he was going to return at this game. Before the season's over, man, as long as Amir Abdullah's back there returning kicks, he's going to break one. There's going to be this, this, the streak, the long streak of kick return touchdowns that the Raiders are currently on is going to end this year. Amir Abdullah will break one. He's that close. You could tell. He is that stinking close to breaking one to the house. Amir Abdullah is going to get it done before the season is a wrap. 2.55 is the time. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Coming up next, we're going to kick off hour number two. Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, proud Alabama alum, will join us to talk all things Josh Jacobs and what he thought of that Raiders win on Sunday versus Seahawks. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.